Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. Ah, the week after the Super Bowl. We always try to deviate from anything football because the Super Bowl captivates. We have two straight Super Bowl preview episodes. Hope everybody enjoyed the game. I sure did. I thought it was great. And since this is a sports media podcast, I will reveal I saw the first three quarters on linear television because I was at a friend's house who had cable. And then I came home because my kids were tired and I wanted to go home as well. I watched the fourth quarter and overtime on Paramount+. Plus. But during the last week, there was a big announcement about the creation of a new streaming app that is going to take content from ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery, which is TNT. I thought the announcement was ill-timed. It made no sense. But now that we've had some time to digest it, there are still as many questions as there are answers. So I reached out to a sports media friend. Uh, I took a part-time job a while back for Barrett Sports Media. We've had Jason Barrett on the show. But one of the great writers for Barrett Sports Media is my friend Dimitri Ravanos. He has history in sports media. He's done sports radio. But he is on the forefront and has written articles that we'll put in the show notes about this streaming service. So we wanted to welcome him to the podcast, talk about that, talk about the Super Bowl ratings, and all the sports media topics that are going around right now. We will also take a look at how people did as far as gambling on Super Bowl 58. We'll welcome in the head odds maker at BovadaSportsBook.com, Patrick Morrow. Dimitri, first of all, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Welcome to the show. It is long overdue, but then again, when you have a podcast that has over 440 episodes, any new people I have on, it's long overdue. Yeah, no, I feel like one of the uh, smaller FCS-level schools in Florida that yeah. goes to Gainesville over and over and once in every 15 years, you know, the, the Gators will go to Florida International down in Miami. <laughs> That's right. Well, this will be the token visit. Um, <laughs> I didn't understand during the Super Bowl. Yeah. There were two big announcements that drove me bananas. Number one, during the actual game itself, the New York Jets announced that they changed their uniforms. During the Super Bowl. <laughs> I totally missed this. I was like, what? Now? <laughs> like, read the room. I, yeah. I couldn't understand that. But the other one was this announcement that Warner Brothers, Disney slash ESPN, and Fox were going to create a streaming service that was going to incorporate the linear channels of all three and that it was going to be a sports-centric app that was coming out. And that if you had Max or ESPN Plus, you had this app, like you you get this app. And if not, it was a jumping-on point for like a cable bundle. Yeah. There are so many questions, but the first one is, why during the Super Bowl? Well, so this was actually first announced on a Disney earnings call the Friday of the Super Bowl. So you could still make the argument like all of the sports media is very preoccupied, right? This is an announcement for Wall Street. And frankly, even though I understand what they're going for, I think like 75% of American sports are going to be represented on this app in terms of live games. Um I'm a little skeptical we ever actually see this thing come to fruition. You you think there's a chance this, this doesn't happen? All these streaming services are hemorrhaging money. The only thing that will save them are plans like this. Yeah, and so it's I, happening. I, I, I disagree. I, I, it's happening. What it looks like, we'll get into, because what it what it looks like to me is if you're only going to put sports properties on it, it becomes less interesting. If you're suddenly going to have an app that is going to let me watch Avengers Endgame and Man of Steel mm -hmm. because of the merger, then that's cable. Yeah, that's and see, when I say I'm skeptical, it'll come to market. Like, here's kind of what I've been pointing out to a lot of people is we have whatever this is going to be called. Let's let's just call it Sports Plus for now, right? So we have Sports Plus. We have the over-the-top, direct-to-consumer version of ESPN. Disney is still in the live TV business with Hulu, uh, you know, Hulu Live TV. They keep saying ESPN Plus is not going to go away. It's going to be its own thing. They cannot make four things successful. And I think most likely what will happen, like if I had to put money on it, I would say they abandoned plans to make ESPN a standalone direct-to-consumer product and instead... Because they'll incorporate it into this it, thing. Exactly, because like, think about all the different 
um, I guess, consumer bases you're pulling from here, right? Like the goal is you want to get those people that are younger than you and I that would never in a million years think about subscribing to cable, but you're also going to be pulling away from those people that would subscribe directly to just ESPN. You're also going to be pulling away from people that would subscribe to Hulu TV plus and people that would subscribe to the cable bundle. And when you think about these three companies, right, Fox and, and Warner specifically, they still have to play nice with, uh, with the cable companies to get distribution. I mean, well, Fox, Fox has been so red, reticent to to get into a streaming service. Yeah, that's, that's profitable because simply they love linear. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is very possible that Fox's play is to just ride linear uh, straight into the grave whenever uh, that happens. But when it comes to sports, you know, I, I mean, what was it two years ago? Right. They got absolutely killed that there was no way we could stream. Uh, the World Cup without, you know, without going to FoxSports.com. There was no easy right, it wasn't one on push Tubi. of the buttons. It wasn't right. on anything. Right. Right. Um, so I think that you look at these three properties. Wait, and just to clarify for the listener, during that World Cup, if you had YouTube TV or Fubo or Hulu Live or any of the streaming live 24-7 right. streaming apps, those all had the World Cup. And, and you could do it at foxsports.com, but it was not like, you know, just clicking the Disney Plus button right. and there it is waiting for you. Um, I think that, you know, I think Fox is going to argue that, you know, with our stuff going to streaming and now there's a streaming option for live sports, a big muscular streaming option for live sports. I think maybe they view this or are hoping that cable operators view this as okay. Now Fox news is that much more important to the cable bundle, given the, the demographic of who is still subscribing to cable. Sure. Um, I think that Warner brothers, you know, I, I think they're just looking for a win in, in the stream. Well, they're looking space, to stay right? afloat. Yeah. I mean, see, that's it's either the thing, that right? or they're selling it. Yeah. I mean, Fox is not in the streaming game. Disney, I think is, is, sustaining but not profitable the way that uh netflix is and max has just been a, a failure so far right so it makes sense for them to put their stuff there and i think with these three companies each one of them has a big at least one big marquee event to build this around fox it's the world cup and then occasionally you get the super bowl espn you're going to get the super bowl rotation you've also got the nba finals and the college football playoff and then with warner brothers discovery uh, not only do you have the NHL every other year, you'll have the Stanley Cup Finals. Remember that, what is it, two out of every three years now, the Final Four is going to be on TBS. So you have that property that's going to be sure. a part of this as well. Well, that's the thing, and it's all national sports. That's the other part right. of this is a big part of the conversation has to be the RSN business and just this idea of do RSNs have any kind of shelf life? This argument when ESPN, when Disney bought Fox, mm -hmm. uh, 20th Century Fox, uh, they were told by the FCC they couldn't own all the RSNs that Fox owned, Fox Sports Detroit, Fox Sports Ohio, right. whatever 27 of them, I believe. Yeah. And because of that, uh, they had to sell them off. The thing that will never make any sense to me that I think eventually there'll be a movie about is – why would Sinclair buy these things when you already knew that RS RSNs were declining? Maybe not yeah. failing, but they weren't. It wasn't a growing business, and it, it 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 defied logic. So now you're in this position where baseball sees this as an opportunity. They want to control some of the rights. Amazon is doing a bailout, so some of the games will be on on Prime. But a, a, there's going to be blackout a, rules. Yeah. So, like, but, if I'm sitting at home, none of that matters to me because I can't watch the Tampa Bay Rays on Amazon Prime. Yeah, so I think has that has been accomplished. I think that when you say a bailout, it's really more of a bailout for being able to find the games as long as you are in market, right? Um, but it, it, because there's no cash, be like there is no payment to Sinclair as a part of that deal with Amazon. It is 100% just a we will put it on here. Uh, kind of deal. I, I think, and you know, the other thing too, to a much lesser degree, um, Warner Brothers Discovery bailed on their RSNs, bailed on AT&T's RSNs when they really? took over that company. So you have three companies that in some form or fashion have all gotten out of the RSN business that are a part of this. 
you know, ESPN has said that that is something they could vision as, envision as part of the future of ESPN Plus as, you know, you don't have to operate a full network. This can be where, you know, Pittsburgh folks go to get their Pirates and, uh, and Penguins games if they want to. Look, it, it, the way they do hockey, the way they do hockey, the fact that there's a hockey game on ESPN every day. Yeah. With that power play or whatever mm-hmm. they, they call it. That is genius. So if they want, if you want to tell me that ESPN Plus is the way to get the Pirates, the Penguins, what, what, hit basketball, what, whatever it is, uh, you can get it there. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. No, I I understand that completely. I think that the interesting thing that you bring up right there is something that is, I I, I mean, maybe in conflict. You would say. ESPN right now, because Stephen A. Smith's contract ends at the end of next year, they have to decide which ESPN they are, because you just said what everybody that is looking at this package is going to say. Do they have my games? I'm in. Nobody is saying, do they have Pat McAfee? Do they have Stephen A. Smith? And both of those guys are talented. It takes nothing away from them. It's just a different calculus. I couldn't pick them out of a lineup, just for the record. I've never watched either one of them. Yeah. And as far as Pat McAfee is concerned, the irresponsible shit that he said, the guy can go straight to hell. All right. Well, I mean, listen, I I think I don't uh, I don't disagree with you on the irresponsibility of him, but I do think it is, you know, it's a valid argument that he has a big, dedicated audience. No, there are people listening to this podcast that watch him. I, I understand. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't watch him every day. I consume him the way I think the majority of people do. Right. Like through clips. the YouTube clips. Right. And yeah. I think he is. um I think he's more clever than he gets credit for in terms of being quick witted, but that's not enough to get me to decide that I'm going to sign up for a service, right? Like my first foremost sports priority is sec football. All right. All of it is going to be on ESPN next year. So I have to have ESPN in whatever form or fashion I'm going to get it. It's like my wife. It's a non-negotiable, whatever this thing launches. And that's the only way this service is going to be non-negotiable. I mean, you're a hockey fan, a baseball fan, like, Man, this is an all-in-one for baseball fans. Every national game, every playoff game, every everything is going to be on this new app. Okay, but I would argue that the national game is the is the eyesore for baseball. That that's the least attractive of from a baseball fan standpoint. Because if you are a baseball fan, if you're listening to this podcast and saying what I care about is I want to see the Phillies when I want to, I mm-hmm. want to see the Tigers when I want to. The argument is. No one, no one is going, gee, I wonder where I'll get access to Sunday night baseball. Sure. No one's saying that. Or the Peacock game of the week or the Apple TV game of the week. Like those games are irrelevant. And all you get are the is the 55 and over who say they scream and moan because the game isn't on the regular channel. It's on those channels that particular night. Like there's, it used to be you wanted your team on the NBC game of the week. That was one of the coolest things you could get. Now, not so much. I mean, I would argue, you know, growing up somewhere where we did not have uh, pro sports at all. We did not have a major league baseball team outside of, you know, the Braves. America had the Braves, right? Um, You wanted, you wanted anything different on the national game of the week because it was the only way it personally is the only way I saw American League games when I was a kid now that being said like I don't I mean who's the best pitcher in baseball right now I'm gonna assume Randy Johnson it's been a while since I've watched like I'm not going to pretend that I am so plugged into baseball that I understand exactly what it is fans want I hear you and I understand exactly uh, what it is you are getting at there that this big all-encompassing thing is not going to satisfy the niches in a lot of cases. And, and I don't mean that to say like baseball is a niche, nobody likes it. I just mean like the person that wants all 162, I don't know, Seattle Mariners games, um, they're not going to get that. Right. Yeah. They have to find them. And yet you have, you have to go from place to place to place to place and you have to find it somehow. Yeah, but because the RSN business is changing, I would argue that right now it's kind of hard to predict what getting those games is going to look like. I mean, is it going to be something you click on an ESPN Plus? Is it going to be something you can only get through the team's app or website? I, I just don't know what to think right now. More of our conversation with Dimitri Ravanos from Barrett Sports Media on the state of sports media in today's sports landscape. 
But first, how was the Super Bowl? How'd you guys make out? Let's check in with the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow. First of all, uh, the fact that it went to overtime, the fact that it was close and you didn't know who was going to win. You know, if, if Kansas City doesn't complete that final drive, uh, San Francisco comes away with the victory. All the pressure in the world. What was going on at the sports book while that game is still up in the air? By late fourth quarter, midway through fourth quarter, I had stopped looking at our odds. I had delegated that to several other people. And I was just staring at the screen, head and hands. I was pacing around the office down here, Seth. At one point, the 49ers had the Chiefs on a fourth and two, fourth and three. Uh, that would have been the game if they stopped in the fourth quarter. Chiefs did it. They were underdogs before the game. They were underdogs for most of the game in the in-game odds. We got absolutely crushed on all of that. But it was so much cheering. It was 12 of us in the office uh, watching. So... Even though uh, it was a bad financial day for us, uh, it was otherwise a really fun day for us at Bavada. Is MVP something that people bet in-game based on what they see early going? Because if you watch that first half, you didn't know who the MVP was going to be. That's that's right. We, uh, we started adding the MVP to our live odds two years ago. And, you know, the way that game played out, it was a perfect reason why we do stuff like that. Obviously, Purdy and Mahomes were the guy from opening kickoff, but... Offensive struggles became clear, you know, very early in that game. The, the first touchdown pass was actually thrown by receiver Jawan Jennings, who was 400 to one before the game started. That dropped him all the way down to 35 to one. He then also had a receiving touchdown, which dropped him from 35 to one down to three to one. You saw guys like Pacheco and Kelsey drift all the way up to 200 to one because of their underwhelming performances. Even the kickers got in the mix. Harrison Butker, who I don't know, he had four or five field goals has the Super Bowl record for longest field goal. He was 500 to one rematch and he dipped all the way down to 10 to one. Uh, it really could have gone any direction. If Mahomes, if it was another field goal win in overtime, it wouldn't have been Mahomes as the MVP, but it was Mahomes, that Mona Lisa of the last drive. He was the pregame favorite at plus 140 and closed as the MVP winner at Bavada. Let's talk about next season. The Kansas City Chiefs are talking three-peat the San Francisco 49ers aren't going anywhere. The Buffalo Bills have something to say about it as well. What are the favorites for next year? What are the early odds for next year? It's top heavy with a lot of the teams you just mentioned. And once again, I think we, we've got egg on our faces, odds makers. Uh, we, we trust the team that we think on paper, the team that analytically we think is the best. And we made the 49ers as favorites to win the Super Bowl. Now, we did that for... Maybe all of a couple hours because as the Chiefs did during this playoff run where they were an underdog in three games in a row, uh, that Chiefs money came in massively and the Chiefs are now the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Rounding out uh, the top of the field, you mentioned the Bills, they're right there at 14 to 1. Ravens right there at 12 to 1. Lions, surprisingly, they had a great season, but surprisingly ahead of a lot of teams. They're the third biggest favorite right now as they are 7 to 1. That is Patrick Morrow. We'll move on to some other sports in the weeks to come. Now we're talking about sports media with my friend Dimitri Ravenos. The Super Bowl just happened and the number came out. It was 123.4 million on average. Uh, 120 million watched it on CBS proper. Uh, they also had uh, Paramount Plus. They also had Nickelodeon. They were all different ways to consume the Super Bowl, and that was all part of the rating and, and what that means. Um, to me, calling for the death of linear is not it's not attractive. It's an ugly thing to call for. It's just like the death of AM radio or baseball. They're all going to die as people age out. Mm -hmm. new people there if you if you talk about people who are becoming adults 18 19 20 21 you want to go out of college let's go to 25 there's none of them have cable right so i'm turning 50 in a month when i'm 75 those people will be 50 when those people are 50 who will have cable yeah, I mean, it's a good because question. Because the people who have cable will die out. Yeah, I I had a conversation very similar to this. And, and, and stay with me here because it's not like one for one. But 
uh, I had this conversation with Bomani Jones one time where he was talking about the like amount of like. 50, 45 to like 60-year-old black men that now when they turn on their radio, they're going to sports radio. And the point he was making was, you know, if you grew up with 90s hip-hop, if you grew up with like West Coast gangster rap, there's no version of classic rock for you because that kind of stuff doesn't age super well for when you suddenly have kids in the car with you, right? Yeah. Like there is just a whole generation of people that grew up with what was current doesn't really work in terms of nostalgia on a grand scale. And I, I think that we are going to see that in a lot of ways. It's not just those people aren't going to have cable, Seth. Like, there's a chance that sports is going to be covered differently because of the way those people consume sports. So I gave the numbers for the Super Bowl. So would you argue that you know, the, the demise of linear television is just premature. Is that, is, is that what that tells you? Or uh, is it that streaming is not there technically yet and that people don't want to rely on it? I, I will tell you how I saw the Super Bowl. I went to someone's house, you mm -hmm. know, a Super Bowl party and they had cable. Yeah. So I saw the first three quarters, but by the th fourth quarter, my kids were tired. They wanted mm -hmm. to go home. Fourth quarter and the overtime I watched at home on Paramount Plus. Yeah. Um, I think there is a reason that the only league willing to put the bulk of its inventory on a streaming platform is MLS, right? Like streaming does not have the overall breakthrough for live streaming events that Linear has right now. Like the, the NFL wants games on streaming. They don't want to put a whole package every week on streaming, they don't want to put something more important than Thursday night football on streaming every week. They And so I, yeah, I think we are early on, but also, you know, cable may dissipate as cost versus what you actually get as that uh, math problem becomes less and less attractive. But do you see you a know, world where your local cable company suddenly says, you know what, we're not going to have the same service? Well, I think that's what uh what Charter the Charter Disney fight was all about, right? Like there is the biggest cable company that would rather be in just the internet game because it is a more profitable venture for them in 2023-2024 mm. uh than cable is. The thing that I don't think will go away is free television. I think there will always be people that want the free over the air will take advantage at least of the free over the air. TV, I guess the threat to that are those fast channels, those those free ad supported channels that you get whenever you have a smart TV. Those exist, right? Those those exist. And I know that we're looking at this from a from a sports standpoint. But one thing that I I scream and, and, and tell everybody about, you know, I've well documented on my social media when I cut the cord. Uh, right. December 2017. It was the reason I wanted to do it in 2017 and there was a penalty for early termination of direct TV. So I waited until the day and it wasn't <laughs> September 1, uh, 2017. And I remember taking pictures of myself returning the direct TV boxes um, and I got rid of it. My point being is I have become a better television watcher. Tell and me what that means. This concept is. I no longer press the on button on the remote and check out what's on. Mm, mm -hmm. When I sit down, I have a plan. Yeah. I am watching six different shows right now on different apps. Uh, I just got into the Americans. Mm -hmm. I've been watching Fargo. Uh, I've been watching, you know, I love uh, Reacher. I just finished Reacher recently. Um, and then all the Star Wars and all, you know, all, all the other things. So that when I sit down, if I have the afternoon free, I sit down at my couch. I turn on what I will do is I will pick which of the things I'm already watching that I will watch. Mm -hmm. So the 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 concept and it was an intangible concept. You don't realize when you start is sitting down, turning it on and just flipping channels is a, I call it the couch potato move. And it's exited my existence. It, it's weird. I cannot imagine. 
So I mentioned this earlier, right? College football is my, that's my A number one sport with a bullet. I can't imagine watching a Saturday without the couch potato move. I, I want to flip around to everything, get an idea of what's going on. Like I'll lock in on Alabama because that's my alma mater, but I want to see what's going on all day long. That I think is the um, disadvantage that an integrated app of multiple properties is going to help solve. But also, I don't know how much that's a problem that needs solving because really you're just talking about College sports, right? Pro sports are are sanctioned, or I'm sorry, not sanctioned out, but are are more divided about what is on nationally at the same time. Well, to that end, from a sports standpoint, I tell Apple TV what my teams are. Mm-hmm. So I am a Syracuse football, Syracuse basketball, Syracuse lacrosse, the New Jersey Devils, and Arsenal. Those mm-hmm. are my teams. And when those teams play, I get 76 alerts. Right. <laughs> Which is perfect because I'm not watching the clock and I'm yeah. not. So it, it's telling me, you know, it's telling me when my teams are playing. And then what I do is I go into the Apple TV. And if there's a game that I'm half interested in, for example, on Super Bowl Sunday this past weekend, uh, the Canucks played the Capitals. Mm-hmm. Oh, you throw out the records. I was. <laughs> <laughs> That's an obnoxious person. Now I know why 440 episodes before we had you on. Um, and I remembered that. And what I yeah. did was I went into the Apple TV app and I added that to my list. And then Sunday I was kibitzing around my mm-hmm. house. I was doing whatever I was doing. And I got a thing on my watch that that game was starting. Yeah. For college football, you do that. Yeah, you 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 do you, you so so you're a big college football fan. So you care about Alabama. Tell it when Auburn's playing, and tell it when Clemson's playing, and tell it when North Carolina's playing, and it will constantly be telling you. And what happens now is there's a feature on Apple TV where it says, "Do you want to know about all close games?" Yeah, I'll be sitting watching uh, the Devils play the Predators, right, and I'll get a thing on the top right of my screen that says. Uh, Alabama and Georgetown just went to overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I've known that on cable. Yeah, and, and that is okay. So I think we're talking about two different things, right? It's, you are it's talking a better about, viewing experience. Yeah, yeah, no, and I understand exactly what you're saying. Uh, you are talking about it from the standpoint of a streaming television service, and I'm talking about it from the standpoint of all of these different apps. Um, versus as, as opposed Those to apps some, don't bother me. Like I, when with they Thursday don't bother football, me either. It's just Thursday a, night football. Amazon Prime is one button to the right. Sure. Like, well, what's the difference? Now, I will tell you that more than enough times I went to bars on Thursday nights for whatever reason. Yeah, it's not my normal practice, but I did go, and there were three different occasions that they didn't have the game. Yeah, I, I, so I, I I get that, and there's an infrastructure problem and internet stuff, and I, I I've studied that extensively. We're not there in terms of streaming yet, yeah. but this idea that being a cord cutter makes you a better television watcher, sports does not supersede that. Mm. All right, I mean, listen, I I'm not uh, disagreeing with you because I've not uh, cut the cord yet to give you an educated opinion on that. I I will point out that, and look, this is not like an indictment of people that cut the cord. It is exactly what you said. There was an infrastructure problem. People that tried to watch the Super Bowl on Paramount Plus had that same issue in the beginning of the service not connecting um, for at least part of the first quarter. Well, there are parts of America, and it's not always just poor parts. There are rich parts of America that don't have the the wiring to have – the internet be capable of streaming that much stuff. They yeah, just no, I mean, I had that issue watching some Thursday night football games in my home this year. One of them was the Panthers and the Bears, and maybe that was uh, Mercy more than anything else, but uh, but that's one that <laughs> yeah. stood out of like... Your streaming service said, you don't Yeah, <laughs> like you don't do this to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. That's Get right. out while you still can. That's right. You have children. Go spend time with them. <laughs> um, The... You brought up sports radio. Yeah. And sports radio makes me kind of laugh at this point um, because all the stations are downsizing. Every Mm. station is down. There's no station that is spending more money. None of them are. Yeah. And it 
it, it scares me because uh, at Syracuse, I work in the television radio film department and there are no radio courses. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to get your theory on radio. And even though every station, every station, whether it's the number one market or the number 200 market, every station seems to be spending less. Yeah. My question to you is, I still think they're spending an awful lot. Mm -hmm. I with the amount of options between streaming music and podcasts to get in your car and tune in to see what you know Evan Roberts is talking about at three fifteen on a Tuesday dumbfounds me. That people would want to do that. Why would you? Right? Why would you want to? And, you know, I listen to sports radio stations. I've told you this yeah. for as long as I know you. I listen to sports radio stations when Dave Mahler at Seattle has Hugh Millen on to talk about the new Seahawks coach. I listen to that. That's 12 minutes of my time. Mm-hmm. And I know how to fast forward the ads. Yeah. I, I think but nobody that... fast forwards the ads on Sports with Friends if any advertisers are listening. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, I used to listen to a radio show when I was in college called Beaner and Kin, and they would always, uh, whenever they would do something a little risque, they would tell parents, turn the radio down, never away, mind you, was always the way they would take it. <laughs> um, but uh, your so your point about why at 315 are you turning it on for Evan Roberts, I think there is an element of community of all experiencing this together. But is that a 50-year-old plus thing, or is sports is sports radio a, vibrant anywhere? It's a good question. I, I think the, the way I've been telling people is I think you got to look at radio, the business, as a mall. I think for the future, sports radio is going to be the most successful store in the mall. However, if fewer people are coming to the mall, you do still have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that it is the format best built for, or I'm sorry, that that is most reliant on local topical conversation, right? I can turn on my local news talk station here in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I live. They're not talking about anything about Raleigh, North Carolina. They're talking about Biden and, and Trump, right? Music, why would I sit through a song I hate when every song I love is literally a click of phone. a button it's, it's away, right? right? Local sports time. talk radio's um, selling point is we are talking about the team you want to hear about when you want to hear about it. Now, to your point about everybody downsizing, I think there are a lot of companies, both big and small, that do not get that in order to do this right, in order to do this well, sports radio is the most expensive format that radio has to offer to do it well you need at least one person and a dedicated producer for every show and that's to even have a shot at doing it well right so you have these companies that have bought up too many properties and are so focused on keeping i don't know chicago new york la any major market afloat that that comes at the expense of a raleigh that comes at the expense of a birmingham alabama um, and so, you know, you see it cut in that way. You see the fact that the advertising business is changing in such a huge way and not just radio. There are a lot of podcasters as well that struggle to sell their product because they don't get that you are selling two different things, right? So all of these radio companies that will tell you, oh, well, gosh, we we don't know how to, uh, you can't make money on digital. Well, no, you can. You're just selling it wrong. Um, and, and if you, all you're selling is the replay of the radio show, well, that's not a valuable product to the people right. that you are told me that a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, like have I have think... original content. If you're going to put out podcasts, do something original. Don't just do segments of a radio show. Yeah. Make me have, Even though re- I search sometimes for segments of radio. Shows. No, listen, I listen to segments of radio shows too, by a podcast. But what I will say is you and I are died in the wool sports media people whether it's radio or digital we're dying the wool sports media people i think that if you are doing a podcast of a radio show you got to give me a reason to go to the radio and you got to give me a reason to go to the podcast because you're not going to get me for both if you're if it's just a replay no and 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 that's one of the things about sports with friends that uh we figured out a long time ago i try to do a different sport or a different sports story every Mm -hmm. week I don't try to do three weeks in a row of football right? Uh, because 
a football fan will come to the show because they like football, but then they'll say, wait a minute, he did a basketball thing here and a sports streaming conversation here. And that, you know, trying to, to vary that up uh, to me is important because new people need to be introduced. If you're just doing the same old thing, that gets stale. I, 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 under, I understand that. Despite this idea, the live sporting event has never been more valuable. Yeah. Whether it's on a streaming service or on linear, it doesn't matter. Um, the numbers that they're spending, these networks are spending on talent is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did see a lot and I noticed a lot of sloppiness during the Super Bowl with Jim <laughs> Nance and Tony Romo. I was talking Tony to- Romo doesn't bother me. Tony Ro- Romo doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. And Jim Nance, I have a funny Jim Nance story. Uh, Jim Nance went to my high school. I've told this story before. And uh, when a when a teacher asked us all what we wanted to do, and I said I wanted to get into broadcasting, uh, they said, well, I'll never be Jim Nance. And I wound up hating Jim Nance for the fiery passion for the first 10 years of my adult life. And <laughs> I've heard he's a very nice guy, and I want to get him on Sports with Friends to tell that story, to t- yeah. tell a story about how I was, I was unfairly compared to this legend uh, and resented him for it. Um, that that being said, Ian Eagle's a better announcer. Yeah. Uh, oh boy, at the risk of making it impossible for you to get him on Sports with Friends, a lot of people Ian Eagle's are better announcers. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say, a lot of people are better announcers than Jim Nance. I oh, I make the joke all the time that I believe I think of him as a human vineyard vines belt. Like I'm supposed to believe he is the epitome of luxury and class, and yet this really does feel like a Walmart. Um, Thomas Kincaid painting to me whenever he is on television. And I don't think he's the best match for Roma. I think um, Romo can be great with somebody different. What it, what interests me about Romo, and maybe you're right, maybe it is a matter of finding a better style match for him that could turn around this perception that he is not good. I, I've never seen somebody start out so great and so quickly deteriorate a little bit i mean i i don't think it's unfair to say he's not as good now as he was in year one and year two i i noticed the sloppiness too in particular the call of the final touchdown that Nicole hardeman had um i think that you know Former he catches Jeff the Green. ball and nance says and nance says jackpot kansas city wins right yeah. if you're nance you probably have that line ready to go Maybe you have a different one that references Taylor Swift if Travis Kelsey makes the final catch. But if you're a pro, you know you let Nance do that and then let the crowd tell the story. And Romo could not wait to break it down, like literally could not wait uh, to break down what he saw. And it just felt very clunky to me. Yeah, they they, they kept guessing wrong. Yeah, well, uh, that, they, that'll happen. It, it was just weird. It, it, it was it was just a, a weird thing. Uh, Fox is in an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Burkhart, who I consider a friend, uh, has been amazing, in my opinion. And I'm biased, so I I, I don't have an objective viewpoint. I, I think the world of him. I traveled with him for a year. What about Tom Brady coming in? What if he's terrible? What yeah. happens? Uh, so this is the thing that, like, I also feel like I can't be super... Um, I can't be down the middle about that team because I think Greg Olson, I think the world of Greg Olson as a broadcaster. I think he's great. Uh, he's doing, fantastic. Listen, doing know. sports radio in North Carolina when he played for the Panthers, I only made time to be on the media call if I knew Greg was going to be on. Mm-hmm. And, and this was the year they went to the Super Bowl, Cam Newton MVP season, all that kind of stuff. Greg was just money every single time uh, he was on. He's very thoughtful. I really do think Brady could be great. He's not going to be great right away, right? But he is so driven by competition that if he is compared unfavorably to Olsen, I think that's going to drive him to work and get better. I really do. Now, that being said, you can't put them in the booth together. You just mentioned it, right? You are paying the talent so much money. You can't do anything that makes that $37.5 million a year paycheck you're giving Brady Um a, a greater burden, right? You can't make it a three-man booth. It's got to be Brady and Burkhart. I I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to what if he if is he's not great. Good, then it's a, it, well, it's a genius listen, move. But if what if he's not? 
No, but here's the thing, Seth. Like, if he's great, it's not going to be in year one. We are going to be having this conversation next year of, boy, what a downgrade from Greg Olson. Like, I, I guarantee we'll be saying this this time next year, but I don't think that will be the end of the story necessarily. Can I tell you my novel solution of what Fox should do here? Sure. All right. There's no elegant way that everybody is going to be happy. And again, I stand by. You cannot make it a three-man booth. And Greg Olson does not deserve a demotion. I know there are people that think the world of Joel Klatt as an analyst, but what would be wrong with making Greg Olson your number one college football analyst? What would be wrong with putting Olson in the booth with well, Gus you Johnson? Elevate I, I think college football, fantastic. he may look at that as a demotion. He it's might. The Super Bowl. He might, but, you know, as we move forward in the world of college football where the Big Ten is valued what it is, listen, even as an SEC guy, I will absolutely acknowledge the Big Ten is a bigger national product. That will be the biggest game every single week if you could guarantee me now granted i'm looking at it with my point of view not greg olson's point of view if you could guarantee me that in my sport i am the analyst on the number one broadcast every week to me i'd rather do that than be dropped down to number two knowing i'll never get to call a super bowl right. again he becomes this generation's gary danielson yeah 100 percent i mean better no i better get it I, I i i think that's a lot i, I would never watch him because I don't care about any of that. I don't care about the Big Ten or the SEC. I barely care about the ACC. Yeah, and, that's most ACC fans. <laughs> and I, I just don't see, uh, I, I just don't see that as being a centerpiece. And one thing the NFL does great is makes its big events massive. Sure. If you you're calling a major event, if he's calling any playoff game, I'm watching him. Yeah. And I'm I'm, I'm watching him. Whereas. The other way around, that doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, listen, every sport, especially every pro sport, has done a much much better job of taking care of its um I, I, of its games, right? Of taking care of its product, they've done a much better job in college football. Co college football has the problem of all the best teams are in one part of the country. Uh, until, you know, until Washington broke out this year. But all the best teams are in the same part of the country. And, you know, the majority of the sport is owned by two broadcasters. And the national championship is actually owned by ESPN. Like, you, well, there's so a much. a bunch of college football episodes and, and on the portal. It's just, it's so mismanaged. And, and I only bring that up not to, not to turn this into a college football episode, but to say, I understand that you're not wrong, that it is, um, a very different proposition in terms of the way those guys are viewed audience. as stars. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's a different audience. And I, I, I hear you in that uh, it's a, it's going to have a very English football scene in college football, where there'll be these two a conferences, mm -hmm. there'll be two or three B conferences. The rest are C's and what they should have is promotion and relegation. Yeah. 100%. Uh, that would be amazing. Uh, but they're not gonna, and and it's just if you happen to have an allegiance, or whether it's through your your student life or just the area you you live in, uh, if you are a fan of a team that happens to be in one of these B and C level conferences, your goals better change quickly. No, what is it? Look, I don't know if you can see it. So there are my two degrees behind me, right? That one is the degree from Alabama. That one is the degree from Florida International. Alabama very much an A-level. Right. Florida International, this is true, Seth. I don't know where to watch them. Right. <laughs> so, I, And I'd like to. So so my point being is that that's not Greg Olson's place. Yeah. Greg Olson's place is either replacing Romo, replacing Kirk Herbstreet. I, I, I think that's it. You know, because he's not going to replace Troy Aikman. And so th that you, those are you, the only jobs you left one out that I think is should be on the table is replacing Chris Collinsworth. Oh, maybe. I, and, maybe. and that's not You're to right. say I, Collinsworth I is bad. That is just like th there is a different um, there's a different investment uh, that you could make in Olson that you could not make in Collinsworth at this point in their careers. Maybe. Yeah, that, that's fair. That, that That's fair. I, I, I like Chris Collinsworth, but no, you're right. I, it was an omission. You're, you're yeah. absolutely right. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we did a podcast with my buddy, uh, Softy, uh, Dave Mahler. Uh, we did it on the weirdest 10 days in Seattle sports. <laughs> because, and we opened it with Jim McKay saying the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Yeah. So you're an Alabama alum. Mm -hmm. You saw the earthquake 
yeah. that nobody in Seattle gave a crap about because Seattle is such an isolationist community. I'll, I, I love telling the story about when I was covering the Seattle Mariners in 2000 and the Mariners lost to the Yankees in the ALCS. Uh, I could have had a chance if I, if I stayed with my parents, I could for free stay and cover the subway series. I thought yeah. that was an amazing. And my boss in Seattle said, there's not a human being in the city of Seattle that gives a crap about the subway series. And so I remember that. And I remember that logic. So Nick Saban retires mm -hmm. and no one in Seattle gave a shit. Like yeah. it, they literally didn't care. What kind of an earth shattering notion was that? And was it a foregone conclusion that he was going to be on some form of sports media? Okay. Uh, foregone conclusion. I think so. I will. I will tell you this. I'll tell you a once, story. Once once he re left Alabama, it was happening, right? So so there is a story that he actually began talking with ESPN about game day, uh, or not even about game day, but about joining ESPN back in 2013, the first time he saw the sport changing. But he decided no, he wasn't done. That he thought he could, you know, do. He thought he could remake this team and and have another great run. So. I have always thought it was a very real thing that he was going to go to sports media. And in fact, go look up after the Ole Miss game this year, his coaches show, you know, every college football coach does their coaches show after sure. they put a clip up online of him breaking down a play where Alabama blocks a punt, right? And they show him breaking down this play and he is talking so quickly, but so clearly explaining everything that is going on and why what is happening is happening. Like he belongs on TV. He belongs on TV. I will tell you uh, that, gosh, I think it was the end of September. I wrote this piece for Barrett Sports Media that was titled. Nick Saban seems destined for the college game day desk next season. That was me calling my shot. Like, I think this is the end of his coaching career. Radio stations across Alabama asked me to come on and, and talk about it. And I got actual, not death threats, but like just true hate on Twitter, true vitriol from my fellow Alabama fans that I would dare suggest such a thing. Um, I will tell you, Seth, nobody has called me to apologize. Is he going to be any good on ESPN? And will people watch because he's there? That is an interesting question because, and maybe this is me being 42 versus being 32 or 22. I will tell you that uh, game day is just an afterthought to me at this point where it used to be part of my Saturday morning routine. I think that he instantly makes the show better. Um, I think that he instantly adds a level of credibility. Not that they don't have, not that, that the show is lacking for anything. It is the standard bearer of pregame shows alongside inside the NBA. Right. But well, it's Nick been a work well with McAfee. Sorry. Continue. Well, listen, he spent all year doing weekly visits with McAfee. I don't think that was an accident. In fact, that was the thing that made me think, mm -hmm. okay, I think this is definitely it. Um, he gets along great. He and Reese Davis have been friends for a long time. You know, doesn't hurt that Reese Davis is a Bama alum. He's obviously known Kirk Herbstreet for a very long time, given the number of big games of Bama's that Herbstreet has covered. And let's be honest, what is game day missing right now? They're missing a relevant coach's perspective. Think whatever you want to of Lee Corso following, you know, his his medical problems. The bigger issue to me is Lee Corso has not been on a sideline now in literally 40 years. So Saban instantly makes that show more relevant in that way. And when the competition is gaining on you every year, I don't think big noon kickoff is particularly good, but each year it does get a little bit closer in the ratings mm. to college game day. So we went off on a big tangent, but to kind of bring it back live play by play is still ridiculously valuable, mm -hmm. right? They're still so uh, in incredibly valuable. Uh, the NBA rights are up. And I've heard two different things that they say, well, because Linear is spending less on rights, that the NBA will need extra partners uh, to, to make the money that they're targeting, that they want to target. And as a result, I could see a Amazon adding a Thursday night package or, or Peacock ad adding a package. Like th There could be multiple ways to see the NBA. But the NBA should really just give all its rights to Snapchat because that's how they 
attract more audience anyway. So my question to you is, is this a good time to have your rights up? Or it would have been better if your rights were up five years ago and do a 10-year deal? I think ideally you would want your rights up, I would say, three years ago. I think that's right in the sweet spot. Uh, I I love your idea. Just put it all on Snapchat. Like my son is a huge basketball fan and it just doesn't even dawn on him that like we can go to these games alive if you want to, but he's 12. And like, why go to it live? You could just watch a super cut of all the dunks tomorrow morning. Right. right, Um, right. I think there's still a need for destination programming that you're not shit out of luck. Right. If you are on the market right now, that being said, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, The NBA is absolutely going to have to have, a streaming partner and you know the Warner Brothers Discoveries and ESPNs of the world are in better positions right now because you can justify those price tags when you have a streaming element that you can put games on and then you can do things like and granted the NBA is not the NFL but you can do things like ESPN getting the Toy Story game getting that exclusive uh um London game that they got this year, right? Mm -hmm. You can justify spending in a way that you cannot make back on linear cable, but you can with the overall package. I don't think it's a bad time necessarily, but it's no longer peak of the market. That's for sure. How does Warner Brothers say we're bowing out of sports rights, but we're going to make a play for the NBA? Is that a legacy thing? Is that a is that a huge financial draw for them? Yes, it is a draw for them financially. Also, I don't think the NBA, and and I'm not working with any knowledge. This is just a a guess. I don't think the NBA wants to do anything that would jeopardize inside the NBA. Like, I I think that show is so valuable to them. And for it to leave, for the NBA to leave TNT, there is no guarantee that Shaq is going to want to go where Chuck goes or that Kenny is going to want to go where they go or that Ernie Johnson could even get out. Maybe Ernie Johnson would be content to just be the baseball guy. Um, so I, I think that if anybody, yeah, I think if anybody, uh, gets the hometown discount from the NBA, it would be Turner or I guess Warner brothers discovery. Dimitri, thank you so much for doing this, uh, continued success with Barrett and with this new project and everything that you're working on. You're one of the good ones. And I really, really enjoyed all your insights. Even the stuff I disagreed with. I like talking about Listen, Seth, it's always good to uh, to catch up with you. What I like about not just you, but people like this is people that you can yell at with a smile on your face. That really is the peak of podcasting, I think. <laughs> that is Dimitri Ravanos. It was great to catch up with him and discuss all the goings on in sports media. If you're just an inter- if you're just interested in announcers, there was so much in this podcast. Uh, but the streaming services fascinate me. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Please leave a rating, a review, especially on iTunes, because that's how they market podcasts. We'll see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt. That's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. Come on, please, I'm gone. Forget reaching me by phone. Because I promise I'll be gone for a while. When you see me again, I hope that you have been the kind of person that you really